Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Princess and the Bee. As always, give yourself a hot dose of gratitude for jumping on a podcast and listening to content that uplifts, that will maybe lovingly challenge, and will grow you and help you skill up for this next season of your life. And today, there is nobody better to help you skill up than a coach. And I have brought an extraordinary one onto this show. She is my dear friend and fellow certified high performance coach, Amanda Kaufman. She is an executive coach, speaker, wife, mother, productivity and performance nerd like me, and an advocate for you crushing it in your life. She is the founder of The Crush Method. Prior to formally launching her coaching practice, Amanda spent a decade as a strategist, mentor, and leader traveling all over North America to serve her high-profile clients all while raising a young family and pursuing several personal goals at the same time. Amanda offers a range of performance coaching and consulting services from individual coaching to workshops and keynote speeches on the subjects of personal effectiveness, leadership, and balance. And she's got four kids, y'all, so listen up for the moms in this audience. Amanda, I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I let's let's just dive in fully. What is the crush method? Ooh. So the crush method is the methodology that I followed when I was making that big scary leap from being an employee to the CEO of my own business and the rest of my life. And it's an acronym that is C is for clarity because there's no use in having a map if you don't know your destination, right? So you need to be really clear on the destination. You need to be clear on the path to get there. R is my bias towards process. It's repeatability. You know, repeatable processes will win every single time instead of the one hit wonders. Uh, U is urgency because I know there's a lot of tendency for us to vision and to dream, but if you never take action towards those dreams, they just stay dreams. Then there's strategy, and strategy is the decision-making we make about the resources that we have to get the best possible outcome. So um, strategy is incredibly important. And then the age is for helpful. Is it helpful to you? Is it helpful to your family? Is it helpful to your clients? If you're always coming from a standpoint of being helpful, you never have to worry about, um, you know, your ethics or are you doing something in an icky way or are your motives pure? If you're coming from a helpful place, you'll always be all right. So that's the crush method. I love the thought that you put into every single word. There were a couple that I just have to touch on. Urgency. One of my mentors early on, Eben Pagan, said the number one difference with entrepreneurs who make it and entrepreneurs who struggle is the speed of implementation. So how Mm -hmm. has, from your experience, both as a coach and as a business owner, the speed of implementation um, been so vital to the success that you've had? It's just critical, absolutely critical. Um, I I think that there's so much lost opportunity cost on sitting on an idea or an initiative. Um, Things change really, really rapidly. And I I don't think that they're gonna slow down uh, anytime soon. Um, And I think the faster you can go from inception of an idea to the execution of the idea to learning from the idea, 
the better off you're going to be. You know, it's, it's not like, I think a lot of times people delay because they're hoping to avoid some kind of failure. Mm-hmm. But I think it's better to fail forward and fail fast so that you can learn from those failures and integrate it into your future performance, which of course, if you fall down and skin your knees and get that lesson and you're like, well, lesson learned, but then you turn around and sit on the lesson, you're not learning nearly as quickly as you could be if you were in urgent action. So that's why I always bias really toward some kind of action. And it's like a centered action, not, not panic. I'm not suggesting that you should act out of panic. But I am suggesting that often we sit on things for way too long and there's not really a good reason to do it. And the opportunity cost is so high for doing that. Amen, sister. I, and the other one that I loved was the strategy, the deductions that we make to get the best out of the resources that we have. Because I think one of the reasons why a lot of people that I've seen as a coach delay is they think they have to have certain things that they don't yet have before they can do the thing that they want to do. So mm, yeah. touch on how do you use at the, when you start out the resources that you have in the beginning and what are those resources that you can tap into that seem kind of obvious maybe to us, but maybe in the beginning we don't quite see them as obvious resources because we think we don't have enough capital or we don't have enough um, tools or we don't ha- have the knowledge of how to make sales. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, as a certified high performance coach, I remember delaying getting certified and delaying pursuing the role of coach because I didn't have six pack abs. And I was like, if I'm overweight, can I be a coach? So I think we do it with um, our body image and our image of who we are, you know, whether we're smart enough and kind of some character traits too, like the intrinsic things, not just the extrinsic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like one of the things that um, people discount that they have is the ability to one really and truly listen to another person. Like if you're able to really listen and indicate to a person that you have heard them, you understand them, and you support them, you will already be setting yourself apart from 99% of the people who run businesses out there. <laughs> True story, right? Because most of the time, they're, they're focused on their credibility, and you know, are they doing a good job, and they're putting all their energy on themselves. So just by being selfless, and that's connecting with helpful, <laughs> and being concerned more with the success of the people you're trying to help as opposed to your personal success. I think that that's a really um, big thing that anybody listening to this could absolutely tap into and have a massive competitive advantage. The other thing is we all have a unique story. We all have a reason that we have uh, for why we're doing what we're doing. And that story is not about, again, about impressing anybody. It's about relating to people. And one of the things I really try to teach in the crush method, I work with a lot of coaches that are building and growing their practices is that authentic connection is something that anyone can learn. Anyone has the resources already to be able to do that. And that is going to be your pathway to the opportunities that lead you to being able to help someone achieve a meaningful result which then allows you to have testimonials and social proof in what you do. And then you get supporters and you get momentum, right? So that's another thing that like anybody at any stage could work with. And I think the third thing is really take stock of what you have. And there's a really great YouTube video about these two guys who had a red paper clip and they played this game called trade up. And they, would, they listed the paperclip on Craigslist and said, we'll trade, right? And these two gals found the ad and they said, we'll trade you your paperclip for this fish-shaped pen. So then they got a fish-shaped pen out of the trade and they took the fish-shaped pen, they listed that and they said, we'll trade for, and then I think they got like some dead, you know, cell phone <laughs> or something like that. But they kept <laughs> trading up because the value that the person saw in what they already had was valuable enough for them to lever up into something else that they perceived as being more valuable. So spoiler alert, they actually traded up 
they kept doing that chain, they traded up to a house. They bought a house and it's like a mansion house from a red paper clip. From a paper clip. And I, from a red paper clip. And I kind of think about my coaching business was exactly the same way. I way overdid it on, um, you know, personal courses and coaching and all this stuff, like perpetually getting ready to launch. And I basically backed myself into a financial corner where I didn't have any more resources to try and like buy my mentorship out. And mm -hmm. so I had to take what I had, which felt like a paperclip at the time and trade it up. And so I think that that has ultimately led to our success that now I actually budget for my coaching. So I get coaching, you know, on the regular and it's paid for and it's covered and it's budgeted and like that, that's the life, right? But it's because I figured out how to do the trade up thing. Amen. And I love the fact that you were just so open about sharing that you got so stuck in that space of, of, learning and in, in mentorship that it, it actually backed you into a financial corner, as you said. And I think that that's, mm -hmm. that is such a big tripwire for so many people and holds a lot of negative space in the mind. How, how mm. have you been able to move from that, that mindset to trade up? Like what was a tool that really served you to just get started? I love that question. And by the way, I think more people um, are afflicted with money stuff and um, feeling guilt about debt and, and struggling financially with their decision making. And it's way more common than people think. Like it's way more common than people think. And so like that's actually number one. You're not weird. <laughs> if you're <struggling> with this, <laughs> <laughs> you're not weird, right? But, and in fact, if you are feeling guilty about it, that's a really good thing. Cause that means that you see that there can be a different standard that you're holding yourself to and that there is an alternative. So, so I would say like from there, it was really important for me to take my numbers by the reins and say, okay, where are we really? right? Where are we really mm -hmm. from both a debt standpoint, but also a cash flow standpoint, not, not what was my best month ever in my business. No, 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 no. What was the average revenue income for the past six months in my business? Right. And what's interesting is, is that psychologically, we tend to gravitate to that one time we made all that money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we say, well, we did it that one time we can totally re replicate it. Right. Um, but, but the reality might be that your average is, is less than that. And it's not that you suck. It's just that you're going to have peaks and you're going to have valleys and you need to be operating more from what is the average of those, of those realities. And when you get to that place, you get empowered to be able to make some decisions about how am I going to allocate the incoming cash flow to recover from this position? If it's not a position that you want to be in. And the other thing is just really take a step back and remember debt is not bad. Debt is not a bad thing. The ability to invest in something and being able to pay back over time is a really powerful tool as long as you're conscious about what you're doing and as long as you have a game plan for making sure that you get a recovery on that investment. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm saying like, just get so clear about it and what is your game plan and just park the guilt and remind yourself of what are all the things you're able to do because you went into that debt. I went into that debt and you want to know what? I got world-class sales training out of it. That's a skill that's going to serve me for my entire life. I also got world-class copywriting skills. So in a world where people are literally confined to their home, I have a skill set that I can use to keep my business moving forward without being dependent on, on leaving my house at all. So yeah, the debt sucks, but I'm going to have this skill for so long. And we have a game plan for, for how our finances work going forward. And it's just a matter of facing it. I love the fact that you broke that down into such a clear cut process. Cause I tell you that is the exact same process that I use to recover from bulimia. It, it, mm. applies for your, it applies for your body image as well. When I was 
going in when I started teaching Pilates and started training with tons and literally hundreds of bodies. And I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not weird for having all these body image issues around my, my, my size and my shape and how I feel on a daily basis. And then I was able mm -hmm. to work my guilt and ask, okay, well, where am I really? Well, I was really just about five pounds away from what I really wanted to be and a little bit of toning. It wasn't like this whole thing. Um, and then mm. saying the, assessing, you know, that your bodies will go through peaks and valleys, just like our bank accounts will. It's, it ebbs and flows. And the number on a scale is just like the number in the bank account. It's a snapshot of the causes. It's a snapshot of the effect, not the cause. And then knowing where you're starting yeah. Because when you know where you're starting And it's not your identity. Is, yeah, it's not. It's a, it's, it shows who you are. It is not, it shows you where you are, not who you are. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's a, I think that the second that I was able to just stop feeling, because the thing is, I did know how to sell. So I was really compensating in an unhealthy way with, well, I'll just work harder <laughs> to get more sales. And I'll just I'll make up for it that way. And the thing is, is we found that the real solution was for us to look at the, 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 the subscriptions that we had, the team that we had, the processes that we had that were depending on all of those things and say, Hey, how can we be more efficient as a business to get to this different place? And it was more of an efficiency challenge than it was a net revenue performance challenge. So we actually ended up um, netting more revenue because we had better, more efficient processes, not because I killed myself to work harder. Because before I was taking it on to mean something about me that we were dealing with this money issue. You know, we're dealing with this money issue because I have money problems, right? And that's just not a constructive way to look at it. If, if we were dealing with the money issue um, because we made some decisions and we made some bets that didn't pay off on our performance and now we need to get realistic and change our strategy, you know, that, that was the way to get to what we wanted to as a result. And it's, it's really paid off huge, but it took some real getting real and just kind of getting out of my head of feeling guilty about being where I was. Oh, I love that so much. And you stress the value of the sales and marketing skills that you learned that you gained mm. because of the money that you were investing in yourself. And yeah. why, why now I'm in, in 2020 in currently when most of the world is in quarantine or self-isolation, why is it that we should know these tools of sales and marketing? Oh my gosh. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's about having a positive influence on the people around us for the greater good, right? So if you are an employee and you want to make sure your team is motivated, if they're uh, working remotely, like influence skills are everything. If you are an employee thinking, oh my gosh, I need to go and find another job. Guess what? Influence skills are going to be everything because you're competing with everybody else who's doing that. I like it or not, right now we're in an extremely competitive competitive environment and it's going to get more competitive not less and I think it's those that are going to be able to rally around win-win solutions and partnerships and collaborations that are really going to weather this storm that literally nobody gets to escape from but it's going to be because of their strong influencing skills that they're going to be able to to win those partnerships and um, build that trust and build back up the the communities and the effects of everything that's been going on. Like, I, just I can't I cannot overstate how important strong communication skills are, and we're seeing that as as everything's unfolding here um, in in 2020. And I just feel like it's frankly a responsibility that people have to learn to communicate in ways that are very direct very clear, very um, honoring and respectful of other people. And when you look at sales and marketing skills, that's 100% what it is. I think people think that sales, you know, they kind of think of the sleazy used car salesman kind of 
moniker. Exactly. And and the the truth is is that you know modern sales understands that consumers are smart and they have choices. And so if you approach it like that, it's not going to work very well. And you're not evil for learning how to sell in a respectful, honoring, um, but still clear and transparent way. I just, I feel like there's actually a responsibility to do that. If you are going to call yourself a business owner, then you better learn how to do it. Amen, sister. I had um, an experience with a client because of the whole uh, current quarantine situation and self-isolation and uh, everybody, you know, a week ago or so was, was in a bit of a panic and having a conversation around sales was so interesting with my clients because they're, they were both somewhere like, Oh yeah, I'm totally going to keep selling. And others were like, um, yeah, I don't feel right to sell. So when should we be selling in your opinion in a business, um, regardless or, or even should we be selling in a business when there is massive change in the world? So this is my opinion. Um, I think that it is actually irresponsible for a business not to sell if they can sell. And here's why. The economy thrives on the movement of money. Money is energy. Energy needs to flow. And so if everybody stops selling and stops making their products and services available and people stop being productive, that is what leads to the recessions that hurt everyone. It hurts everyone. Mm-hmm. And just because you're at home doesn't mean that you cannot be in some way productive. And I think that some people um, really struggle with the idea of, oh, well, I'm a coach and I can, um, no, especially in my world, right? I'm a coach yeah. and I can help people remotely. Um, is, that, is that like a morally ambiguous thing to do? And I'm like, here's why it's never a moral issue. Because the buyer is the one that decides. So if, if a customer is, or a prospect, excuse me, if a prospect shows up at your door or sees something you've posted online or crosses across your website and they're like, you know what? I don't want to get coaching right now. They'll close the window. They will, they will shut the tab. They'll click away, right? They will choose not to engage. If that same prospect is like, you know what? I'm at home. I'm kind of climbing the walls. Maybe now's a good time to upskill or now's a good time to think about what I really want in my life. Hmm, maybe I will sign up for a consult conversation and they self-select <laughs> to have a conversation with you that you have made, you know, available for them to do that. They're choosing to talk to you. And the same thing when you go through the consult process and you come to the end and you say, well, to work with me for three months, it's X thousands of dollars. It's ultimately the buyer who's going to decide whether to accept your offer or not. So there's, it's, not an ethical moral issue because it's never, you're never in the position of forcing anyone to do anything. But if you're not there and that person is thinking, gosh, I could really talk to someone or I could really use this service that would otherwise be available, but oops, it's not there because the coach isn't there. They're going to just go to another coach who is there. That's, that's what will happen. Right? So should you be prospecting? Should you be talking to people? I think, yeah, this is a time to be seeking connection. This is not a time to be withdrawing it. Amen. I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. Oh, <laughs> but I just have an opinion. Girl, I was hoping that you would back me up on mine because that is exactly mine. I, I totally agree that um, if you struggle, especially when um, the whole fear of the coronavirus really hit, about two weeks ago, and this was, I mean, we're recording this in later March, so about two weeks ago, when it hit, there, I was in a conversation where they were like, well, it's, 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 you know, it's the time, it, you know, it's, it feels so panicky. And I said, if you feel that it is not the right time to sell and you do believe that it will get worse, or that the fear, or that we'll be quarantined longer, that whatever's going to happen happens. What makes you think you're going to have the same? You're going to want to sell then. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think there's also a big world of difference between someone who's offering a virtual service and someone who's offering an in-person one, right? Exactly. Like, it is a very big difference if you're requiring somebody to congregate and come into a physical space. Like, you know, I'm not saying go ahead and host that live event. That's definitely not what I'm saying. That is a moral issue, right? You should yes. not be doing that because it's exactly contradicting what we're trying to do with the, with the health issue. But I am saying that, you know, in any time, there are going to be certain industries that are able to perform or are going to be less affected by what's happening more generally. And I would also go so far as to say that it's, it's these kinds of times that even if you're in a business that has previously relied on 100% in-person or events or, you know, something like that, this is probably a good time for you to look at how can you innovate so that you're not dependent on that. Right? You Could you add another stream word. of income? Yep. Right? Innovation is, is there, essential. It, it comes often from pain. And when I think back to my, my own story of, you know, making the leap from corporate, it wasn't exactly sunshine and puppy dogs <laughs> in my corporate job at the time. You know, it was, it was kind of rough for a second there. And it was because it was rough and painful that I was motivated to innovate my own skill set to be able to create something new and go the entrepreneurial route. Had it not been painful, I don't think I would have done it. And, I, you know, I can think of a lot of examples where, you know, there were big leaps forward <laughs> in my story that mm -hmm. were immediately preceded by something super shitty. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, sorry. But you can something totally, bad you can totally it. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all good. But you know what I mean? Like there's, there's often sun, sunlight that comes right after the super dark storm, right? And um, I think feeling guilt about possibly um, not being hurt as someone else is being hurt is, uh, is an understandable response and something to be super conscious and aware of because three weeks ago, you were also better off than somebody else in the world. It's mm -hmm. just now you're more conscious of it. Oh, amen. I love, I love the conversation around guilt, especially because I think some people are realizing that there is, that they're actually enjoying and having a lot of peace. Um, at least most of my clients are enjoying the time at home and the time with their families. And the yet there's a conditioning response that oh because the world is in a certain place or because this x y and z is happening in our environment or in our world or in our collective health that we should quote unquote i'm not a big fan of that word feel guilt for having it so good whereas what if we just drop the guilt yeah what if we did i think sometimes um and it's understandable, we look for black and white kind of explanations, right? I need to feel bad or I need to feel good. And the truth is, is that life is a bit of a rainbow. Like we have all these different shades of what we are experiencing and not, well, childbirth is a perfect example of this, right? <laughs> what a yep. joyous, happy, beautiful thing that hurts like friggin' crazy and it's so hard and, and carries so much risk with it. But, but we tend to celebrate outside of that. And it's like pain with the benefit. And I think that by trying to seek to isolate, like I either have to feel this immense pain and guilt, or I have to be totally sunshine, roses and happy. And there can't be any kind of like dimensionality to that is one unrealistic. And, and two, pretty harmful, because I, I think people probably could use a slowdown, to be honest. Yeah. I, am I saying it's a good thing? Like, no, recessions are bad, always, right? We don't want that. Um, people are losing their jobs. There's certain realities, um, and not to mention the people that are dealing with this illness and the people who are dealing with things that are not COVID, but they're dependent on our, our medical system that are experiencing so much fear and so much strain right now. You know, like there's some certain 
realities of the situation. But if you're going to say those things are real, like it's real to be sitting together as a family for a contiguous amount of time too. Mm-hmm. Like that's real too. And it's, it's hard to process, but I think if we just kind of take, take a step back and allow for both the pain and the benefit at the same time, it's okay to enjoy the benefit and it's okay to acknowledge the pain, but we don't have to make that mean something about who we are, right? Like I'm a bad person for enjoying time with my family. Like, no, you're a good person for that. You're a very good person for that, right? Amen. And I think that that's why mindset really matters because you said such a, such a key word in there. And I hope everyone who are my um, language, language and linguistic nerds heard it, meaning, the meaning that mm-hmm. we give to things. And that's mm-hmm. really most of what I've seen mindset is. It's we attach a meaning to an event or an experience or a thing. And then we have a belief around that. So why is mindset the only set that matters Period. Yeah. I mean, I think mindset, you know, it's so really interesting you say it's the only thing that matters. I recently read a book um, by Robin Sharma called The 5 a.m. Club. It's yep. uh, my, my, honest, my honest and authentic review is it's cheesy as heck, but it's very enjoyable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, See, and everyone can yeah. know that is exactly why I love Amanda Kaufman, because she tells it like it is. I love that. I so appreciate that about you. (laughs) Yeah, no, like I could smell the fromage from a mile away, but I really did appreciate the message and it was, it was, it was very engaging. Um, But, but what I loved about it is is he introduced this idea I hadn't really thought about. And it was this idea of mindset, health set and heart set. And if I was to, to put the Amanda Kaufman, yes. And spin on that, I would also say knowledge set because sometimes, your mindset and your knowledge set are not the same. Like what you know or what your skill set might be mm-hmm. uh, may not actually be up to the task. <laughs> now your mindset is going to be helping you to decide, oh, the gap here, I'm going to learn, right? I'm going to enhance my knowledge set. Or gap here, I'm feeling like I don't have my energy. I'm going to work on my health set, right? And then like being really connected to your heart. I, I love that idea of like the mindset, the heart set, the health set, but then I'd add, you know, the skill set or the knowledge set. I would, yeah, I was, I would totally add skill set as well. And, and now that you broke down knowledge set, I agree. Um, because skill set, skill set, it's like what our mentor, fellow certified high performance coach, Brennan Bouchard says, common sense is not always common that practice. So we may have a mindset that has, we may have knowledge, but if we're not, and they all coincide, they all work with each they other. They do. We have the knowledge, it's like but a we may not be, Exactly. We may not be using it and putting it into practice in our skill set or in our health set or in our heart set. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's where all of those sets come into play in, in one holistic, beautiful Venn diagram. Yes. That's a lot of petals on that Venn diagram. It's, it's like a Venn flower. <laughs> I think it's like five circles. <laughs> yep. Yep. And in the middle is you. So speaking you, of you, rocking it. As, a, yeah, <laughs> as, as a child, did you dream of being a coach or were you just like naturally a badass leader? What, what did you dream of doing and how, how does that kind of tie in or what are the similarities to what you're doing now? Geez, what a great question. I um, So I grew up in a really small, very isolated Arctic town in Canada, in Canada's Western Arctic. And I recall that most of my childhood was spent fantasizing about when I grow up and live in a city. <laughs> so... When you live in a really small town like that, your exposure to the different career paths and choices that people might have is pretty limited. You could be a teacher, you could be a lawyer, you could be a doctor, you know, think about those essential services. Um, you know, you, you know that you have careers in those things, but you don't know about things like being a consultant or being a coach. 
And of course, when I was little, the internet wasn't a thing yet, right? It only really came onto the scene when I was in high school. And back then it was, you know, dial up and (laughs) really well. AOL, you know, I'm going to ping you on the AOL. Um, <laughs> I actually had ICQ. I remember that. But um, to, to answer your question, did I, did I dream as a child of becoming a coach? Uh, no. And I, I don't know of too many people who have, um, just because it's actually a pretty new idea to it to be mainstream and have a coach. But it's an idea that's definitely catching fire. For sure. I think a lot of people are starting to uh, want to have a coach on their side, on their team, um, more so than even just a few years ago. So why why should people have a coach on their team? Like if you're just a mom doing her thing, I mean, I think you and I are not just a mom. (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) You are like a queen, man. Like you've got a household that you are running and you've got little people that you are raising to be good little people, right? Like that is a very, very meaningful job. Well um, yeah, I take my momhood super seriously. I may work too, but it's because it helps me be an awesome mom, like not the other way around. Um, so I, I think that having a coach is like, I still pay for a coach. I will pay for a coach forever, you know, um, because a coach's job really is to help you anchor yourself in your own personal power to make change now that's going to set you up for a better, brighter future. Mm. It's all about having that person in your corner. And the reason why I say like a coach is different than a super supportive spouse, for example, because a coach is detached from your outcome, meaning they can help, they can help you through a process of exploration of what your solution would be uh, without being personally affected by your decision, which allows them to be very objective. Um, Your spouse may, well, hopefully your spouse doesn't want to hurt your feelings, (laughs) but one way or another, they, uh, they are absolutely invested in your decision-making, right? Mm-hmm. And I think having a coach who's outside of, I would say a coach outside of your employer and outside of your, your spouse and outside of your friend circle is a really powerful move to make for anyone at any life stage, uh, no matter your level of responsibility. And I think it's like the main reason I think everyone needs a coach is I came from a environment where people uh, in my former career, I was in a corporate career where people were, you know, Harvard MBAs, like freaking smart, you know what I'm saying? And they had worked hard to get to where they were. And a lot of them were stinking miserable. And they were miserable because not because there was something wrong with them, although they feared that that might be the, the issue. The bigger issue I saw is that they felt like they had no personal choice. They felt like they had golden handcuffs. And I've come to understand from working with so many people um, over the past few years outside of the corporate environment that that's actually a really human thing. To feel like you're not enough, to feel like you're, you're stuck with the, the, heart, the cards you've been dealt. And a coach just really shakes that whole paradigm up. A good coach will mm-hmm. shake that up for you and help you see that you can actually create an amazing life. And I want to see more people create amazing lives. It's not about being an entrepreneur. It's not about having a certain title or making a certain amount of money. It's more about taking real control over your life on the things you want to take control on so that you can be a better human, right? Better humans help lift up other humans. Better humans volunteer. Better humans um, contribute. Better humans, they don't complain, right? They help. They inspire. And so, yeah, that's why everybody needs a coach. You got me on a soapbox there, but that's why, right? Oh, we girl, need preach. to be better versions of ourselves. That. Amen. <laughs> I, think, I think, I mean, coaching for me, both having coaches and I still have a coach. I will always have a coach. I love my coaches and my mentors. And I, and I think the thing is, is that just like you said, having that third party perspective and I, freak, I, I recently read that the average NBA player has about seven coaches. 
for nice. mindset, for performance, for health, for, you know, dribbling, for like, they have seven coaches working with them in their area of expertise. So find if you and a performance coach will help with the mindset of how you're approaching what it is that you're doing. Because when you change yeah. the perspective on how you're doing what you're doing, you change what you're doing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of think of life being like a game of chess. Sometimes we feel like, you know, our piece has been moved into checkmate. And we can't move any direction and win. And the truth is, is that you cannot, you're actually, well, you are a queen. You can move any direction on the board, right? It's just that sometimes you need to have a a process to help you get out of your own head and say out loud (laughs) what, what your options truly are so that you can feel good about moving forward in some way. So when did you realize your personal power? Was there a specific moment or event or experience where you just realized, holy crap, I'm holding myself back from the life, the the life that I want to have. And then you seized it. Gosh, you know what? I think I have many moments all the time. (laughs) Like it helps when you're constantly getting coaching, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. Like I'm, I'm constantly pushing that envelope and I'm, I'm pushing myself outside of my comfort zone on the regular. Um, one thing that really popped to mind when you asked that question though, was when I sold my very first high ticket coaching package myself, because I had never sold anything that big myself before ever. And it was multiple five figures. It was for a full year to work together. The exuberance I felt from that experience of facilitating that wholesale process to the place where it was a yes and everybody felt excellent about it. I just about, like, my heart burst from my chest. I was so dang excited. It was everything I could do to, like, hold it together to the end of the call. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But, but I realized that I had up to that point been living in this paradigm that I was only worth so much that I was like, that, that I, that my time with you was only going to be so much. And I realized that I had been really living by this idea that it's only this when what I could have been doing is saying, Hey, you know, I'm priceless (laughs) and I'll do this for you for X. Right. And just, Stop taking the minimizing, putting the minimizing language into it. And you know what's really funny about this, Kimberly, is yep. I had less than a year before been the main driver on a deal at my corporate company that was, no kidding, $10 million. What? Yeah. So I had been on this other contract, and it was like this big fancy corporate contract and like all of this bureaucracy and all of this stuff. And I was like the point hitter on this thing. And that was like $10 million. But the second I went to go and sell for myself, all of a sudden it became all these meaning stories, right? What does it say about me if I charge a lot of money? What does it say about, you know, what if they don't get the value? What does that mean about me? And like that small thinking but when I made that really big sale, and then I turned around and did it again, then again, again, Hell it was a yeah. huge breakthrough for me because I was like, oh, it's not about me. <laughs> I have this, this power not to make people say yes to me, but I have this power to deliver a process that really can transform and support someone. And they see the value in that process. And it was like, whoa, you know, there, there was a, that was, that was probably the biggest thing in more recent history. I love that so much, especially cause that was like, I hope everyone picked up on that little nugget of just sales gold right there of the meaning is making it when, when you attach a meaning that it's about you, it's that's immediately removing the other person from the equation, which is actually who it's really about. It's about the hundred percent about the other person buying and investing into themselves in a greater way. Like I think of, I I literally think since I shifted my mindset 
um, from years ago when I thought of making purchases as a cost versus as an investment. I look at mm. you know, buying organic food. It's an investment. Buying a really nice purse. It's an investment. And I'm making it about the, it, it's not about the salesperson trying to sell that to me. It's about me saying, it, how is this investing in myself? Same with coaching as well. Buying a program yeah. or upgrading that. Think of it, how can you think of it as an investment in the other, as how the other person is investing in themselves rather than, oh, it's all about me. Because that, that's just our egos talking. So if you are ready to get into a little bit of rapid fire, we shall dive in right away. Let's do it. Let's do it. So who is your favorite female character in a movie or a book and why? Oh my gosh. Anne of Green Gables, because <gasps> she was her own person, like way before it was a popular thing to do. And she's Canadian and it's just hilarious. Uh, whether I read it or I watch it, like I just, I'm a sucker for Anne of Green Gables. So am I. So am I. I am, I, I, it is one of my goals in life to go to Prince Edward's Island. That is, that is one Ooh. of my travel goals. A hundred percent. And to, to, put myself in a boat and be the lady of the shining waters. So if, if, you were, <laughs> if you were queen of a country, what would be your prime focus? My prime focus would be creating a culture where connection and um, the people, the soft stuff is equally valued to the tactics and the, and the hard work. I think that's what I would be really focused on as a legacy. I love that answer. So what would you consider to be your kingdom? My kingdom nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I got this house that we're in. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, joking aside, you know, it really, I really, um, for sure family and my marriage uh top top of that and my business like these these are the things that i'm i'm really overseeing overlooking um all the time and by extension you know our communities our clients um making sure that everybody's okay but then you know making sure i'm taking care of the royal family the, the royal family must be concerned yes of course uh, must be of top priority if your palace had a swear jar, how much money would you have to put in it daily? And this is quite open. Oh, a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I truthfully, I really, really consciously work on my uh, language and everything, especially with having kids around. Like this quarantine has been very interesting in that regard. But if I was just left to my own devices, totally a million dollars. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What woman would you want to trade places with just for a day? Oprah. Yep. If you had to yeah. have your success at twice the speed, how would you have done it? What would you have done differently? Ooh. Twice the speed. Twice the speed. I would have read the book Profit First. And I would have implemented it right away. And I would have started with paid advertising um, much sooner than I did. Hell yeah. And what message do you want to share with the world? You can change anything about your circumstances and you have everything you need to get started on that change right now. Mm. Last question to wrap this up and to bring this bad boy home. How do you crown yourself? Ooh, bubble baths. <laughs> I, I really love lush and like the bath bombs and mm. I do like the candles and everything like you know, we've, we've been shelter in place here where I am and the number of baths that I've had though, but I deserve it because girl, it's been, it's been a trip. It's been a really interesting few weeks here. And, uh, yeah, that's how I do it. 
I love it. Amanda, where can we find you? How can we work with you? How can we uh, celebrate you and champion you and cheer you on and be all in the crush method and, and skill up with you during this time? For sure. So you can go to the crush method, search for us on Facebook. Um, my partner and uh, business partner and, you know, fellow coach and I do a live daily show on Facebook every day at 1230 Central. So you can come check us out where we do that Monday through Friday. And if you want more information, you can go to my website, which is amandacoffman.net. That's K-A-U-F-M-A-N dot net and that just describes all the wonderful things that we do um, if you're a coach we have some resources there for you for free if you are just a, a person who cares about bringing your super best to the world we've got some free resources there too so go check it out awesome amanda it has been such a pleasure i have so enjoyed this conversation so much i took like a whole page couple pages of notes and <laughs> I am so excited for this episode to drop. Please share this with a friend. If you have a friend who is thinking about becoming a coach, share this with a friend so that we can support each other in, in keeping this economy thriving and keep commerce going even while quarantined. And if you're listening to this after quarantine, go back and listen to it again and share it with a few friends too, because all the wisdom bombs were amazing. As always, my fellow empire builders, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Till next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crown yourself now or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.